0: The uh, new UFO documentary, God vs. Aliens, looks into whether life as we know it and perceive it is just a simulation designed and controlled by extraterrestrials for some unknown purpose. It's called simulation theory and suggests that life is basically some sort of computer game. The Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom proposed this in 2003 and even has Elon Musk as a believer He states that the odds of us actually living in a real physical reality are a billion to one. This theory would make religion and even the idea of God as a construct of the computer game and thereby the aliens controlling it. The uh, film explores this theory and its impact on the world's religions should we make first contact and especially if that contact would actually negate our physical existence and any notion of God is real. The film also features exclusive interviews with some of the world's leading UFO experts, including Nick Pope, who used to run the UFO's U.K. uh, Sorry, the U.K.'s UFO desk for the Ministry of Defense. You can read more of that story. That's in the in the news section up at coast to coast AM. And coming up on Coast to Coast tonight, Sunday night into Monday morning, in the first half, certified public accountant and chartered financial analyst Benjamin Baruch is the advisor to some of the world's uh, or the largest real estate companies on the West Coast. He'll discuss the world financial situation and his predictions for 2024, as well as how Bible prophecy is unfolding. In the second half, co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, an organization with more than 24,000 members that assists bereaved parents worldwide. Mark Ireland has participated in mediumship research studies conducted by the University of Arizona and the University of Virginia. After the passing of his youngest son, he sought evidence for the continuity of consciousness after physical death. And on his journey, Mark was able to connect with his son's essence and observed a variety of phenomena supporting the survival hypothesis. That's tonight, Sunday night into Monday morning on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. All right, back to more of my conversation with Preston Dennett, the author of Humanoids and High Strangeness, plus your calls right here on Coast to Coast AM. Preston Dennett, Humanoids and High Strangeness, 20 true UFO encounters. And Preston, before we get to the phones and uh, people are lining up. Uh, to uh, share their experiences, I want to ask you about this this case because, I mean, to me, this this ticks all the boxes when we're talking about humanoids. Uh, this woman in California is being visited by tree spirits, ghosts, little people, also experiencing missing time. I mean, this is the whole enchilada you know, here in one case. Tell me about this this uh, remarkable story.
1: Yeah, this is a, a long story, so I will definitely shorten it because you're right. She experienced just about everything, but super interesting. Uh, Back in, let's see, 1968, she was eight years old. She had already started experiencing precognition and psychic events, which her parents encouraged, which is awesome, I think, because this is a natural human ability. But she started experiencing what she believes were either spirits or ETs as a very young girl. She's really not sure because she refused to open her eyes, but there were entities in her room. And as a young girl, she was assaulted at school uh, very badly by the school bully to the point where basically she had to leave school, and their family moved away to the town of Julian. This is in Southern California, surrounded by trees, forest, wilderness. And she was quite isolated and started having these Dreams, she calls them. But she says, you know, these are not normal dreams. Because they would occur every single night. It was always the same. Where she would be walking outside her home in the forest. I'd say these are probably closer to out-of-body experiences more than anything. Because she would be confronted by this tree spirit. She says, you know, I wish I could tell you what it looked like. But he called himself Birch. And he would talk to her every night about her future, about the importance of love, about what she was going to do, you know, in the future in regards to perhaps art, music and writing. She was a pretty creative person and basically nurtured her and brought her back to you know, a place of well being, which she really needed. But this happened every single night. She became absolutely obsessed with trees and one day she met him, as she always did in the dream state, and he said, this is my last meeting with you. You're now healed. I'm going to have to leave you now. And she was devastated and crying and said, no, no, you can't. But that turned out to be her last meeting with him until years later as an adult. Because She would always reach out to him telepathically, like, who are you? Where did you go? What happened? As an adult, she reconnected with him. And basically, he had a telepathic conversation with him, and he said that he was a guardian for her. Uh, Wouldn't say whether he was an angel or not, just that he had come to heal her when she needed it. But she's had a lot of high strangeness in her life. She really wanted a pair of long underwear for Christmas as a young girl, and her mom didn't get it for her. She gave her a book on horses instead. And she was so upset, she got on her horse, which she did have a horse, and went riding off into the woods. It was a snowy day, and there, hanging on a tree, out in the middle of nowhere, because she had just rode randomly, was a brand new pair of long underwear, just mm. hanging there on a branch. <laughs> I mean, this is high strangeness for you.
0: I'll say. What's the, what's the connection between, or if is there a connection? Between greys, ghosts, uh, tree spirits, uh, other humanoids? I mean, is there, is there an underlying, um, I don't know, common denominator?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, she ended up in that case and marrying into a Native American family who were having regular encounters with what they called weapos or little people which she started having, and they were were sort of grays, but different. I mean, they had a different cultural perspective. And a lot of paranormal stuff. And that's what I really want to embrace in this book, because that happens in pretty much every chapter. And this is my working assessment at this point. What I think is going on here, because, yeah, there is a connection. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but what I feel is that when a person has contact, and this might be you know, beyond just ETs, it could be a near-death experience or a spirit encounter or Bigfoot even, it raises their consciousness to a certain degree. This is absolutely true with ET contact. And I would say that their psychic abilities are ignited or enhanced in some way, and they come back from their encounter with their perhaps bioelectric field much more, how would I put it, fortified, stronger, to the point where they will affect computers and watches and light bulbs and TVs and radios. But it goes beyond that. They'll start experiencing mediumship or past life recall, astral projection, hands-on healing, Reiki, that kind of thing, even levitation. I did a whole study of that because a number of the people I was interviewing will experience physical levitation, physical levitation following their encounter. So that, I think, is the connection. It They wake you up to all of our own natural human abilities, and you'll start seeing shadow people or having mediumship or precognition. So that is kind of my working hypothesis at this point, that these are natural human abilities that are just being ignited. And we're waking up to the fact that we can do a lot more than we thought
0: all right let's dive into the phone calls here west of the rockies neil is in clear lake california neil good morning welcome to coast oh we lost neil i'm being told okay so uh let's say hi to uh norman is in st louis missouri norman good morning welcome to coast
2: hey guys uh great show um i've got a series of events that happened around 2012 i believe it was and it led me i've always been open to ufos you know especially like the pyramids i I didn't think uh, humans could do you know lift uh 20 ton rocks and three million at a time or whatever so i figured it's something else but uh anyway me and my son were watching um a meteor shower over uh I lived in Woodson Terrace about a mile from Lambert Airport, and we seen two different UFOs in the course of the night, and uh, they were flying like three times higher than, um, you know, Southwest and American, and they were flying real fast and erratic, like making quick left turns and kind of convulsing, like stop and go, stop and go, but went way faster than uh and maybe like 100,000, 150,000 feet up, and then uh, – a little while after that, it snowed about 10 inches, and we had footprints. I got up in the morning to have my coffee and went out in the back, and there was footprints that were kind of like a um, a yardstick almost, and it was like 10 inches long, offset, you know, left to right, left to right. And uh, they were 10 inches long and maybe two or three inches wide but there weren't hoofs or claws like a bird. And then um, they went to my garden, which was a three-foot fence, jumped out of the garden, went towards the house about six steps, and then they were gone. And they were down recessed into the snow about three inches. So it couldn't have been a deer. If it was a bird, it wouldn't have been that deep. Then after that, <laughs> I know it's a lot, but... Uh, I was dating this gal at a place called Carrollton Manor right by the airport. And on the second floor, we were walking towards the elevator and uh, seeing a typical, like kind of what I guess was a man in black. This all happened like in six months. But uh, that elevator, I dated her 30 or 40 times. So it was real slow. It would take like three minutes to go one floor and stop sometimes. Even people got locked in there where the fire department had to get them out. And uh, he, he walked towards the elevator, and he had a fedora on and, like, a, you know, Armani suit, a real sharp-gross Italian-looking guy. And maybe 60 years old, he got to the elevator. I said, hey, could you hold that elevator? We are you know, 20 feet away. And he looked over and smiled, and he had a newspaper, like, in his hand. And he opened the elevator, but then he just walked in. And I was like, how rude, you know? So I ran up, and I got my hands almost pinched in the door. And I hit the open button like three times, and it opened right up like maybe five seconds later. I went in. I was getting ready to cuss the guy out, and she was caught up to me by then. And he wasn't in the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And it was scary. It ruined our day because she started crying. She made me – they had a mop and a broom in there, you know. And I mopped in a bucket and I had to poke the ceiling tiles to make sure he wasn't up there but we would look at each. Other. I mean that was 20 years ago or something whatever it was and uh, she would still talk about it to this day you know whatever it I was guess. it wasn't a human
0: Wow amazing story Norman thank you so much Preston your thoughts uh, does, that, does that ring a bell in your uh, many years covering this beat?
1: Oh yeah I mean there's a lot to unpack there there's quite a series of events Uh, When someone sees a UFO, I think that this is intentional. The ETs, I do believe that's what we're dealing with here, are doing it on purpose, showing themselves. And it's quite unusual for that to be followed immediately by what sounds like some sort of Bigfoot sighting, perhaps, or some sort of cryptozoological entity, which could very well have been contacted by them, being that the footsteps just ended, disappeared. I have heard that sort of thing. And, yeah, unknown paranormal events can come in big clusters, and they do walk among us, absolutely. And that sounds like a very intentional event as well. Um, I don't what know, about, hard to say.
3: But.
0: Yeah. Well, um, thank you for the call, Norman. What about the uh, the men in black disappearing? Does that uh, yeah. uh, come do you Do you hear that?
1: I, I do, absolutely. And that speaks to these guys' abilities to you know appear at the scene of UFO incidents or harass witnesses or you know the fact that there are people walking among us who might not be what they appear to be. There's quite a few accounts of this. And that's something these kind of high strangeness events are part of the whole contact experience. And a lot of contactees will describe these same sort of things which they don't often talk about because it's not well publicized. And as I said, a lot of this really weird stuff, the high strangeness, is not appearing in a lot of people's accounts of other researchers who are very much interested in the nuts and bolts and kind of shy away from the paranormal, psychic, high strangeness aspects of this, which I think is a mistake because we need to get all the evidence out there if we're going to solve what's going on here
0: uh jim is in british columbia jim welcome to coast
4: hi richard hi preston thank you very much for taking my call it's an honor to talk to both you gentlemen i just wanted to relay uh, a story i had a, a few times of meeting off-worlder people and this this one time at the bank uh i went in there and uh there was uh it was in the wintertime, and I went inside the bank machine, and I normally use the machine right next to the door, but there was a man and a woman that were inside that were vacuuming, they looked like they were wearing uniforms, like brown shirts and brown pants, and I thought it, it seemed a little bit odd to me And they said, can you use this other machine on the left? And I said, oh, yeah, one I normally didn't use. So I started to use the machine, and... Uh, When sometimes when I've had these things happen to me before, it's like somebody turning the volume switch up on your anxiety for no reason. Just goes up and up and up and up for no reason. And uh, I start to use this bank machine, and this was happening to me. And the bank machine was it wouldn't accept a deposit for a check. It would once I got my card in there, it would just transfer, transfer, transfer. And I thought, God, this is weird. And then I heard somebody come in behind me that. The the cleaning people sort of disappeared into the bank. I wasn't paying attention, and then these two guys came in behind me, and they were talking in real sort of low voices. And I I didn't turn around to look at them. I was trying to get this to work, and uh, I heard the one guy say to the other guy, uh, "I've got peppermints." And it just kind of struck me odd. And they were just sort of mumbling between each other, but I didn't feel threatened. I didn't turn around, and then. There's their voice in my head said, why don't you use the other machine? So I did. I thought, well, that's common sense. This one doesn't seem to be working. And I quickly turned around to look at these two guys, and they were sitting cross-legged on the floor. And they were really, really dirty, like they'd been riding a coal train. But there wasn't two guys. There was only one guy. And he was having a full-on conversation with somebody to his right. And I thought, oh, the poor guy's got mental illness. He's talking to himself. <clears throat> and he stopped as he was talking. He was looking to the right, talking to what seemed to be nobody to me. And he stopped talking, and he looked at me, and he was like – he looked like he was homeless and dirty, but his face said he was like
0: uh, – Jim, i got to jump in here. My apologies, Jim. Hold on, and we'll get to the rest of this story uh, on the other side of this break. All right, we are back with Preston Dennett, Humanoids and High Strangeness, and uh, also Jim is uh, still on the line from British Columbia. This was an encounter you had in a bank. Um, At one point you turned around and there was a man sitting cross-legged on the floor. You, You had heard him muttering to somebody when he turned around. There was nobody there. You thought perhaps he was mentally ill he um he was looking pretty disheveled and dirty. Jim, are you still there? Do you want to continue with the story yes indeed,
4: yes indeed richard he was he was I distinctly heard two guys talking when they came in, but when I turned around and then I got this thought in my head, which I thought was my own thought to use the other bank machine, I thought well, that's common sense if one's broken. I turned around to look, and it was only the one guy sitting cross-legged on the floor, and I thought, well, that's weird. I heard two guys talking here, and he, he was looking directly to his right, and then he stopped talking, and he looked at me, but he was, he, he was dirty, like he'd been riding a cold train, but he was really, really, I got like that he was super kind and love was coming out of this guy's eyes, and he stopped talking, and he nodded at me. And I nodded at him and I thought, oh, well, poor guys, you know, mentally ill. I was wrong. There's not two guys there. So I finished my bank business. Then I heard this talking again. And then I turned around and looked, and oh, lo and behold, there's another guy sitting on the floor beside him. So I thought, oh, boy, that's strange. And then. I, th- I couldn't figure it out. I didn't hear anybody come in and out of the bank, out of the door next to me. It clicks when it opens and closes. So I went out to the car, and it was like minus 20 or something outside, and I thought, well, you know, there's something odd about these guys. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this guy's an off-worlder guy or whatever. I got that feeling, and I thought, well, I'll give him – I got some good luck with the bank here. I'll buy him both a coffee. So I went out to the car, and then it came back in, and I had about – Six bucks and loonies or whatever, and I I walked in and he they were kind of talking to each other lowly on the floor, and uh, I said I'd like to buy you guys coffee because it's so cold out here, and they both stopped talking and I, I give them this uh, six bucks worth of loonies and the one guy that had originally been there he was his hand was just shaking when I give it to him and they didn't say a word they had no reaction like a normal person on the street that you'd help out or give a buck to or anything and the other guy this this guy that had suddenly appeared beside him he just started shaking like a little kid in front of a christmas tree on christmas morning his eyes lit up and he was just shaking but neither one of them said a word and I just said, I, I thought, wow, what a what an odd reaction. I gave them both this six bucks, and I said, here, you guys, I'd like to buy you coffee. It's freezing out there. So then I went out to the car, and I thought, wow, that was sure strange. And I thought, I, I was almost tempted to think, well, I'd like to, you know, at, see if I could take their picture, but I didn't. I thought, I'd like to take their picture, but I didn't. I thought, no, 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 no. I just carried on. But I thought, well, I've had this before where it's you get this... Very weird energy, and it it's just like someone turning the volume up on okay. your anxiety. And it even shows up in pictures. I've got pictures of vibrational energy where it it'll vertically cut a tree in half. It looks like half the tree is perfect, and the other half is underwater. It's very All right, weird. Jim,
0: that's like an amazing story. Uh, I don't know, Preston, if you have anything to add. Does any of this? Uh, I don't know. How do you how do you explain uh, any any thoughts on the the uh, the gentleman sitting cross-legged on the floor and somebody appears and then disappears? Or,
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could provide an explanation for something like that. It's what I love about stories like these is they raise a lot of questions, really make us question, you know, who is out there around us? I mean, could it be angelic? I don't know. I'd really love to dive deeper into that to figure out if there's more events, paranormal surrounding this throughout Jim's life. That might be relate to this because it sounds like there is, but yeah
0: well he can contact you through the website um Preston
1: yeah, absolutely
0: okay you want to give us the, well we're hooked up to that on uh, we're linked up to that at coast to coast just uh just go to um tonight's show page and you'll see Preston's website there uh let's say hi to um I think we're going to try Neil again in clear Lake is Neil there now?
3: Yes, I'm here now.
0: Hi Neil, go ahead.
3: My dog stepped on the phone. Anyhow, I had a really I had a really weird experience when I was 4. I saw the last above ground nuclear radi- radioactive bomb test. And then right, okay. A year later a year later I was asleep, and I woke up to hear things walking around in my room. There were three grays, three of them, looking through all our, our luggage and whatever whatever toys we had sitting out. My brother was in the bottom bunk. They looked at him. He was asleep. They looked at me. I was awake looking down on them. They were about four feet tall. Their skin was kind of a grayish tan, mottled with, like patches, and one reached the hand up onto my bunk there, and I said, no. I shook, shuddered, scared most I've ever been and said, no, and they all looked at each other and then stepped back three steps and disappeared. Was that
0: the end of it? Was that the end of it?
3: No, then the light that was above the window went away. There was light out in the yard. I thought somebody had turned the driveway light on. But as soon as they disappeared, the window went dark again.
0: Did they ever reappear in your life?
3: No, that's what I'm hoping. I want... I wanted to stay here on Earth right then. I was just a kid. I wanted to check out Earth. But now, here I am in the 60s. I'm 65, ready to go.
0: All right, Neil, thank you for that. Preston, is, do you think there's a connection between the nuclear blast that he witnessed and the appearance of these greys? Is there anything in your research that suggests there might be a connection?
1: Yeah, it could very well be. Anything nuclear they're very, very concerned about, uh, in terms of, you know, nuclear and missile sites, nuclear powered vessels of any kind, nuclear power stations. There's been sightings over all of these locations. Almost all of them have a history of encounters. They're very concerned about our use of nuclear material in any capacity. And this is one of the messages they give people. So perhaps they found this as an opportunity to teach someone. I don't know, hard to say. Again, I would interview the witness and ask him all kinds of questions. But contact does usually start around that age. So I would have expected that, Neil, you would have had more encounters. Uh, But, yeah, I do think there's a connection.
0: All right. East of the Rockies, Jeff is in Ohio. Jeff, good morning. Welcome to Coast.
5: Hi, Preston. You're a wonderful guest. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks very much, Jeff.
5: Hey, listen, uh, I've got uh, a comment and a question, okay? My father was uh, stationed at Wright Pat Air Force Base in uh, 1950. And I'd asked him when I was younger, I said, uh, so what do you know about the Roswell incident of '47? And he said he actually saw video of several B 29s unloading, not just alien bodies, but also artifacts at Wright Pat. And uh, he was declassified only ten years ago, but uh, he had the top secret clearance equal to the equivalent of Johnny Cash, the late uh, singer. And uh, it, it wasn't really a deathbed confession because he kind of told, told me about that many years ago. And then, and then my my question to you is: is during the abductions, and uh, there seem to be so many of them, I'm thinking, why haven't they left some? Accidental alien technology around some, you know, uh, tricorders or 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 what? Because you know, in Star Trek, they accidentally leave a bunch of stuff behind almost all the time, and they have to go back and figure out how to get it back. Before, I, I just I would like to see a hard piece of technology that shows up during, you know, an abduction. Uh, you have any th- thoughts about that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I certainly wish that would happen too. They do seem to be very very careful about leaving evidence of really any kind. They will give people clues. They'll put them in perhaps their bed backwards, the wrong seat of the car, uh, put them outside where the doors are locked, give all kinds of clues. But as, as far as leaving hard evidence, no, there's almost no cases of that. There are a few cases where people have been given what amount to, like, stones perhaps or crystals or pieces of metal which often turn out to be terrestrial lead or something along those lines. But as far as being given any alien artifact of any you know importance, there are really no cases that I know of like that. The few that I do know of often that is scooped up quite quickly by government folks or men in black type figures. So I mean there are a few cases that do speak to that but no they appear to be very very careful Terms of leaving stuff behind
0: all right uh, jeff i gotta ask you i i knew that johnny cash was in the air force back in the early 50s i didn't know he had like top security clearance
5: yes he did he had top secret eyes only clearance that was equal uh to my father's and my father had this uh, uh prac he actually was a russian spy yeah, i mean he, well, he spied for us for, on the russians so he had top secret clearance and, and he he was brought into right pat to see if this had anything to do with some kind of a Russian mission, uh, that these aliens were some kind of a Russian gig going on there in, in that regards. Uh, hmm. But the, the thing is, is that you know now that he's gone, you know, so, so is a lot of other things that we we've missed out on as far as the knowledge of what actually happened at wright Pat. But I think it's fascinating that he was there at 50. And the thing is, there must be a video that he actually saw, because there's no way he was there in 47 to actually see this. And that's what's interesting. That's the smoking gun here. There's a video somewhere where he actually got to see all of this stuff coming off these B-29s. So that's the smoking gun, and that's, that's kind of where I was going with this. But I, the, uh, the alien artifact thing... I, I've, I've been around different countries. I'll tell you something. I've left my cell phone chargers in France, Australia, <laughs> Germany <laughs> by accident, and I can't believe that some alien during abduction just remembered to bring all the tools back to the ship. I just—that's
0: <laughs> a just great question. That's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. Why would they? If they're so much like us, you know, why wouldn't they leave uh, something behind? Jeff, good, good, good. Uh, call. Let's uh, say hi to Rick, first-time caller in Charleston, South Carolina. Rick, welcome.
6: Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, about 10 years ago, I was on, on the back of my deck talking to a friend, and I looked out on the golf course, and I saw like a bonfire. It was like this huge fire, and I experienced smoke and like ashes coming in my house. And I asked my wife, do you spell that? And she's like, no. And the next day I went out on the golf course and there was no sign of anything burning. It was really weird. Um, And then I experienced like these black spirits, like men that were in the woods uh, around the house. And then everybody, my, my next door neighbors, it was like I was in some kind of spirit world. They were, they were hauling wood. Um, I've never been able to figure that out. It's, it's, um, it's, it's never happened again, but, um, it, it was real. I mean, I saw it, I spelled it and these like, it's like these, these men were all out. It's like black men you talk about. They were all out in my backyard. Um, I never happened. Never had it happen again. I just wanted to share that with you. I don't really know. I've never figured it out. I don't know what it was, but it was there, and I saw this fire. Preston,
0: do you have a follow-up question, Preston? Preston, do you have a follow-up question for Rick? Anything you'd like to know?
1: Yeah, I mean, this sounds like it might be, you know, there's different types of ghostly activity and hauntings and stuff, but there's such a thing as residual haunting or like time slips, and that's just based on what you're, you've mentioned here. It sounds like that might be what happened there. Like you're perceiving events that may have occurred at a prior time. I'm wondering if you've had other ghostly encounters or anything like that or psychic events.
6: Uh, um, I may have as a kid. This, this happened right after my father died, and I had had not talking to my dad in 20 years uh for long story short, just abusiveness, so I took my kids out of that situation. And I was handling his estate, and I had a bunch of files that I decided I was going to burn them. And I, we had a huge backyard, and I burned them. And then the next day was when, like, that stuff appeared. So I don't know if it had, if it had some correlation with my father's death. Um, I don't know. Hmm. You know, I had to forgive him. Going through that process of his state, I had to forgive him, and all these things came back. And so maybe it's something from the past.
0: Um, well, I maybe you should uh, you should get a hold of uh, Preston through his website, Rick, if you want to uh, relay more information, and he can follow up with you. Great call, thank you for that, Preston. I think you got uh, with some of these calls, you got um, maybe some ideas for your next book. What What are you working on, by the way? I know you're you always have something on the go
1: another book about out of body experiences another on supernatural events surrounding people who've had their lives saved that way another volume of not from here that would be volume 5 all about the more strange aspects of ufo encounters i just want to pop in here real quick and say johnny cash did see a ufo he had a very close up sighting at one point in his life which i just recently found out so i thought that oh was i didn't know that i didn't know yeah. that
0: um yeah. you see that's the great thing about this show. I'm always learning things. I knew Johnny I'm a fan of Johnny Cash. I knew he was uh in the US Air Force during the Cold War like in the 50s, but I didn't know that he had um you know top security clearance. Yeah,
1: um, I did not know that.
0: All right. Wow. Uh Preston, thank you so much. It's always such a great pleasure and um congratulations on what is this book 31?
1: Book 31. Yep, and counting.
0: <laughs> and counting, indeed. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. All right, that is it for me. For George Norrie, George Knapp, Lisa Lyon, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, and uh, Michael Cozio, Donna Walker, Chris Burrows, Tim Banal, Sean Lattisor, and in Brantford, Ontario, Scott Park, I'm Richard Saren. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Until next time, so long for now.